Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is 100% Clay. Turn to Genesis chapter 2 if you would. Genesis chapter 2, and we'll just read one verse here. This is the creation story, a lot going on, but just one verse. Verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. 100% clay. Dirt. It's not very glamorous, and it may not be very beautiful. Some of you, you know, try to do more things in the dark so you don't have to see yourself, I guess. I'm getting there myself. You know, don't want the bright lights on. Because look at us. You say, wow, but it's an amazing thing. But this amazing thing, this body, the older you get, the more you realize it's dying and verses in the scriptures, from dust you came, dust you return, not here that long. But what an extraordinary thing, this, this mechanism, this vehicle that he gives us. Go to Daniel chapter two. Now I'm gonna read you a bunch of scripture here because there's no way around this story but to read this story. And as you're looking for Daniel chapter two, Daniel chapter one starts out in the year of the reign of Joachim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So chapter one is the besieging by Nebuchadnezzar, Babylonian king, takes Jerusalem. And he takes some captive, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Their names get changed to Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you remember that story. But these guys are brought in. They're told to eat certain food. They ask him, Daniel says, can we just eat the food that we eat? And if we're not okay in 10 days, then we'll eat your food. Turns out they're stronger, wiser. So they're there. Sometimes God uses a bad situation to bring about his will. You have to trust him. You say, how can going to prison be a good thing? How can being persecuted be a good thing? How can losing my job and being transferred be a good thing? You got to trust him. And keep your eyes on him and say, God, I know there's something to this or you wouldn't have brought me here to let this happen. So Daniel chapter two, look at verse one. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. Now this guy is powerful. And by the way, this is back in 605 to 562 BC. So a long time ago. And this is a powerful Babylonian king. So he's having dreams and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dream. Now it gets preposterous from the beginning. All these guys, get all these skills, all this mystical stuff get called in. And what he wants is, tell me my dream. Not interpret my dream, tell me my dream. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream. Okay, well, tell us the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. 
If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made as ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time. You're stalling. Because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you, for you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, Now listen to where even the world runs out of answers. There is not a man on the earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king... Lord or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men. So the killing had already started. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Can you give me some time? Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now look at verse 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the dark. And light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, Whose name was Belshazzar? Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? The demand is still the same. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, now look what he says, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this, and he who reveals the secrets has made known to you what will be. Now, this is very perplexing, because what God revealed to Nebuchadnezzar, and in his fury, wanting to know what his dream was and the interpretation, people are dying because they don't produce what he wants to know, but God is literally giving him dreams that are describing what would come, the kingdoms that would come. 
But as for me, the secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation of the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. And then he goes on to tell him what the dream was. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, the chest and arms of silver, the belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And by the way, this is going to tie together. This is where the phrase feet of clay comes from. This great image had gold, all this part of the body, and then down a mixture of clay and iron on the feet. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom. Now look at this. You say, but these people were crazy. God gave this king a kingdom. God is not out of control. God is not, you say, oh, how'd that happen over there? Well, I guess God was on the dark side of the moon or something and didn't see it happening. You know, he knows everything. And look what Daniel says. You are a king of kings, not the king of kings. You are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever." And then in the end there, Nebuchadnezzar freaks out, falls down prostrate before Daniel and says, make sacrifices, you know, this guy's the bomb. It's not in the Hebrew, but that's basically what he says. And sets him up as a ruler. Feet of clay. So let me talk about this. I was in a conversation with a guy the other day and he said something about, well, you know, everybody's got feet of clay. And this is what I said to him. I said, I'm 100% clay. I don't just have feet of clay. Everybody has feet of clay. Everybody is 100% clay. It is okay to follow someone. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Be very careful to not get your eyes so locked on another human being that you lose sight of Jesus, you'll be in trouble. Everybody has got feet of clay. Everybody's got struggles. If you want proof of that, just get in a room with my wife and three girls in my house. You say, well, I don't want to know about that stuff. I had a preacher used to say, whatever you cover, God will uncover. 
And whatever you uncover, God will cover. And some of you are shipwrecked in a way because you got your eyes on some preacher, on some teacher, on your father, your mother, somebody. You said, well, I'm supposed to honor them and respect them and trust them and all these things. And it turns out they're just human. And it turns out so are you. It's always fascinating the people that are judging someone else. If you are so healthy where you are, then why are you not able to forgive the people that you're judging and get on with your life? Because now you have feet of clay because you're saying, well, my whole life is screwed up now because of that person and what they did. So you're going to kiss your whole life goodbye because as it turns out, another human being actually has feet of clay. And if you look in the mirror, so do you, so do I. And we hold these people to a standard we can't even live up to. You say, well, that's not who I am. If you're willing to unforgive, there's proof you have feet of clay. Because if you were all that, you'd let them go. Go to Isaiah chapter 64. And by the way, this book of Isaiah was written just a few back. It's like 701 to 681. This is written. So just a few years later or before here, Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, verse 1, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down, the mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has eye seen any God beside you who acts for those who wait for him, you meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways we continue, and we need to be saved. You meet him who rejoices and does rejoice, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways we continue, and we need to be saved. But we are all like an unclean thing. So you say, well, what could possibly be an unclean thing? What example would he use? And all our righteousness are like filthy rags. And if you want to go look this up, let me be as technical as I can, menstrual cloths. So when you say, well, I think I've got it all figured out. I don't need God's help. He says, okay, so your righteousness, that is like holding up a rag where the term comes from. Gosh, it's just simple words, isn't it? As though it weren't bad enough, Lord. See, it's hard to even say this. It's like holding up a used tampon and saying, God, here's my righteousness. I don't need you. And that's how silly we look. Who would think of that? All of our righteousness are as filthy rags. The last thing you'd want to present to God. That'll get you some feet of clay. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O oh Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are potter, and all we are the work of your hand. Now let me give you another approach to 100% clay. How about presenting yourself 100% clay to God and saying, okay, I will agree with what it says here. I am the clay. You are the potter. Do whatever you want to do with me. You say, but what is he going to turn me into? He's the potter. He calls the shots. You say, well, will he make me a nice utensil? I don't know. Anybody know what a slop pot is? What is a slop pot? 
I actually have something, a little wooden box that was belonged to my wife's side of the family, I think. And inside there is a pot that was left under a bed for, you know, people of means, I guess, didn't have to go outside. They'd slide out of the bed and sit on this little pot. And then it would be thrown out the next day. Anybody know anything I'm talking about? All right. You say, well, Lord, you're not going to turn me into one of those, are you? I don't think I like that. A lot of people waste a lot of their life trying to become something they're not. Trying to be used in some way that God didn't design you to be used. He's the potter, we're the clay. Let him mold you, be malleable in his hands, and find out what it is he's made you to be and is turning you into be, and let that be enough. You say, but so-and-so, they got to do that. That's not your problem. That's not what you were made to do. But they're beautiful. Sometimes, by the way, the most beautiful pottery sits on a shelf and never gets used. Or the stuff you need every day, every day, every day that changes people's lives sometimes gets worn out. We'll read a verse about that. Go to Romans chapter 9. I'm going to read it straight out of the scriptures, what we just talked about. Romans chapter 9, verse 20. But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? So you say, well, how does that work? It means God can take the same bunch of clay and make a utensil that's beautiful that's used only when guests come over and the next one is a slop pot out of the same lump. You say, well, I wanted to be the other thing. It didn't work out that way. Let it go. <laughs> Let him use you the, for what he made you to do and be and get on with it. Keep reading. What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of the glory of the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. If you go back and read the whole context, he's talking about how he can use anybody to do anything. And you say, well, that seems terrible that God picks people and, and uses some people to do terrible things. He is the potter. We are the clay. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're getting there. Okay, so let me insert this here. I tried to say it at the beginning, if you followed me around long enough and listened and got in my brain and were with me 24-7, I'm going to end up disappointing you. There's no way around it. And sometimes religious leaders try to keep such distance from people so that there's never a chance of that. So I'm telling you right up front, I got feet of clay, I got legs of clay, I got a torso of clay, a head of clay, I got nothing but clay. That's all I got. And it makes me nuts in the same way it makes you nuts. You say, well, I've been a Christian all these years. Why do I still think these things, feel these things? Because you are 100% clay. And until you have a glorified body where you live in heaven and everything is changed, you are going to wrestle. The thing you don't want to do, you do. The thing you want to do, you don't do. Paul, at the end of his life, says that. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? Thanks be to God. You know, it's Jesus will deliver you. But until then, you are going to have to struggle and make a decision. Even though you have feet and everything of clay, you still have to say, God, use me. Don't let me quit. And even if your pot cracks, ask him to repair it. And put you back into service. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So why do they not see? Look what it says. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. The God of this age, the enemy attacks and blinds. You say, well, can't you see this? And they can't. Be patient with blind people. They can't see. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Then verse 7, for we have this treasure, who is, what is the treasure? It's Jesus. We have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels, 100% clay that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Part of the reason he made us clay is so there'd be such great contrast between the treasure and the vessel that we could not get any glory. And no matter how you fix it up, paint it up, do it up, a clay pot is just that, a clay pot. If somebody's house is burning down and there's a bunch of clay pots and you got to get water from the water source to the house that's burning... It doesn't take glamorous pots. It just takes pots that will carry the water. And if you'll notice something about that scenario, they don't throw pots at the fire. The pots are used to haul the water because it's the water that can attack the fire. So you say, well, Lord, I'm not very glamorous. I'm not all that. I don't have, you know, nobody would pick me. Except that when he goes looking for somebody to haul living water in, you might just be the perfect choice because you're available or not. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. Keep reading. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believed and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. 
For all things are for your sakes that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing, the clay pot is wearing out, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Stop spending so much time on the clay pot and spend more time with the contents, the treasure. Focus on the treasure We live in a world that is consumed with externals. How you look, what you wear, everything about the outside, what is going on on the inside. Over in Colossians, it says this, Christ in you, that's the hope of glory. You want to trust some feet? Trust some nail-pierced feet. There's just some feet you can follow. There's just some feet you can trust. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.